And there's just something to me that has been fascinating about this whole process of a kingdom, the thought of kingdom. Because we don't think a lot about kingdoms nowadays. You know, we think more of governments and things like that. But I just have been fascinated over the last, honestly, several years about Jesus coming in and saying, saying, you know, my kingdom is different. And you hear all the time in the New Testament, Jesus talking about the kingdom come, the, the, the kingdom of heaven is here. And what does that mean for us? And you start thinking about kingdoms and, and, and all the things that these kingdoms, these past kingdoms have done. And Jesus says, no, we're going to do something entirely different. So the, the Israelites, the Israel nation was set apart by God. And he said, we're not going to do it like the rest of the world does. But yet, in 1 Samuel, it tells us that the, that the Israelites said, we want a king. We want a king. We want to be like the rest of the kingdoms. And God says, no, you don't want to do that. I'm telling you, it's not going to go well for you if you do that. But they kept begging and begging, and God finally relents and says, okay, I'll give you a king. And it does not go well. Because what happens with kingdoms is they become all about power. They become all about money. And they become all about control. And if you go back and you start studying kingdoms, how they grew and how they fell and how other kings were trying to come alongside and and take over other kingdoms, it was all about this this power and and money and control. And and Jesus actually tells his disciples at one point when they're they're talking about kingdoms, and and he says, you know that these rulers, these kings, these people, they they rule it over, they lord it over you. But that's the kind of kingdom that is ushered in by these other kingdoms. And he says, it's not so with you. That is not how the kingdom of heaven is going to be. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today, about this control whole thing. And, and I, I want to give you a pre-sermon warning, all right? It's, this is one of those sermons that it might be very easy to kind of do this to somebody next to you, you know? Or maybe you want to, if I ask a question, you may want to raise someone else's hands, you know, one, one of those things. Or, or you may sit here and wish, oh, man, if, if only my spouse was here to hear this. Or if only someone else was here to hear this, that you know, maybe a workplace or something. And here's what I'm going to challenge you with is, is I understand all of that, been guilty of all that kind of stuff. But I would love for you to kind of look at this as, as how is God speaking to me in this? What is he talking to me and, and what do I need to process and get out of this. What is going on with me in this? And so the very first question I want to come out of the gates with is this. How many of you have some area of your life that you are always trying to control? And some of you are sitting here very stiff and know this is that you can't raise someone else's hand. (laughs) All right? Don't we all have areas of our life that we just love to control? Most of us have some of those areas. And and here's the crazy thing. I was, I, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, I, I knew what subject I was talking about, and we're just having a casual conversation in the office, and Jordan's next to me, and I said, you know what, I'm talking about control, and I don't really have too many control issues that, now that I think about it. <laughs> that was his reaction. Actually, he gave me one of those, what you talking about, Willis looks, you know? Some of you don't have any idea what that means. Look it up later. It's okay. And, and he, he kind of rolls his eyes, looks at me, and said, well, what? What did I do? He said, Lunch, birthday lunch, and apparently, we, we, every Wednesday we have a staff meeting. We go out to lunch as a staff afterwards, and if it's near your birthday, you, we go do your birthday lunch, and you get to choose where you go out for your birthday. And so it was Jordan's birthday lunch, and, and so we said, hey, Jordan, where do you want to go? And he says, Burger King. Exactly. 
And I said, no, we're not going to Burger King. You can either go to Casa Grande or you can go to Joanna's, but we're not going to Burger King for your birthday lunch. Apparently, I control lunches now also. And it's just kind of the way it goes. And, and, and the real thing that I like to control, honestly, is driving. I like to be in control of any vehicle that I am in, and, and whenever we go to do go do a lunch, I'm normally, I take my truck because it's got a lot of room in it, and everybody gets in and they buckle in. I mean, you know, they, I, I'm known as the aggressive driver around. As a matter of fact, Barb and I are going on vacation right after second service, and, and we're driving quite a ways, and I will do all the driving. And the main reason I do all the driving is because I know how fast I want to go. And, and she does do very well. I'll put that up, you know but not as fast as what I'd like to go, you know? And, and you gotta be aware of these things as you're driving. You know, you may have a semi in front of you and you gotta be checking the traffic behind you so that you don't get boxed. You gotta make sure that you're not gonna ever slow down, you know? And, and, and so you gotta be careful about those things. And, and if she's driving, I have to be asleep so I don't have to look at the speedometer, okay? <laughs> it's just kind of the way that I, that, that I am. And, and the other thing I want, you, this is a public service announcement at this point, is if you're a left-hand driver, you know, left-lane driver, that are, are, are doing two or three miles an hour over the speed limit, and you think you're allowed in left-hand lane, that lane is reserved for us who really do want to speed, okay? So just get back in the right lane where you belong, and the rest of us will be happy, all right? We're not even going to talk about roundabouts today. I just want to start right there. There you go. I just, no, no one does it as good as me. I could have been an F1 driver. I'm just... Putting that out there. There you go. But maybe if you're controlling, you just hate to admit it. And you think, you know, I'm not a control freak. Barb and I were at a store one time. We saw this shirt that said, I'm not controlling. I'm just aggressively helpful. Okay? <laughs> I'm not controlling. I'm just aggressively helpful. I thought, you know, let's, let's buy these shirts for the people in our family. No, that cost way too much. There's too many shirts we'd have to give out. It's just kind of the way we are. And, and I don't know, maybe, maybe you're starting to understand this whole control thing. I want to throw up a picture, this picture right here, all right? What do you think of that? Oh, yeah, uh-huh. If, if this picture is giving you some anxiety or some, oh, man, I, you know. It's funny, we had this up here when the, after the worship team got done practicing. We are all setting up here before prayer, and this picture was up here, and it was really bothering some people, okay? And, man, how, how do you, this is not our... I, Disclaimer, this is not our, our dishwasher. I want to have a good vacation, okay? This is not ours. But it's one of those things, you know, it's one of the things that we like to control, don't you? You know, you have to rearrange the, the dishwasher to make sure everything gets cleaned the way it's supposed to be cleaned, you know? Maybe you're a remote control control freak. That you have to have the remote control by you so you have control over the volume, the pause button, the channel. Because, you know, if a bad commercial comes on, you can channel surf a little bit. Drives the other person crazy, but maybe that is part of your, maybe it's the microwave, you know? There are some maniacs out here that actually just put food in the microwave, put like three minutes on it, and just let it go on high, and don't worry about it. And they just cook it to death, and or they take it out, and stir it a little bit, start eating it, shut the door, and they leave the time still on the, the microwave. <laughs> you know, seriously, let's get real, folks. Maybe it's your calendar. Maybe you open your calendar, you've got everything so planned, it may be color-coded, all these good things, and, and then someone wants to do something spontaneous, you know, and you think, I don't, I've got to schedule spontaneous. We don't have time for that kind of stuff. We've got to fit it into the, the calendar, you know, and then there's some of you. We don't want to leave you out. There's the thermostat guards, you know. We want to control the thermostats. Or how about our grammar, pronunciation, email etiquette people, <laughs> 
that I'm scared to death to ever email some certain people because, you know, they're going, you know you're getting judged by what you write, all right? It's just kind of the way it is. Your towels have to be folded just right. Your, your, your closet is organized all so well. It's just kind of the way that we are, isn't it? We try to control all those kind of things. And those things are all fun to talk about and joke about, but there are some serious issues that we try to control at times. You know, we, we want to be in control of things like our future, maybe our finances, our children, maybe even our grown children, you know, who, who, who we still try to control some, some issues in some parts of your life. Maybe it's your work experience and you just have learned that you can't delegate because no one can do it as good as you. So if I let somebody else do it, it may not get done the way that I want it. And there's all kinds of issues that, that we try to control and, and it can really trip us up if we're not careful. And here's the thing about controlling is what we try to control the most is typically an area that we trust God the least in. Some of these areas in our life that we try to control the best we possibly can are areas that, that we just don't trust God with our finances, with our children, with all these things. And, and when we don't trust God with them, we try to control them and, and, and get as much control as we can over them, and it starts to, it doesn't really work. We trust God less, and we continue to try to control more, and it's just this vicious cycle, and we get caught up in this whole thing. And so today what I want to do is just look at a piece of Scripture where Jesus could have had to try to control something. There's a time in his life that things weren't going exactly how that he wanted them to go, and he could have actually controlled them, but what he decided to do instead is he, he chose surrender over control. That Jesus chooses this time to, to, to actually surrender to God's will instead of trying to control it. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 26 if you want to get your... Bible's out, your U version's there, and we're just going to kind of walk through this, this passage of Scripture and just see how it speaks to us today. But I want to give you a little background at first. This is the first Jewish festival of the year. It's during Passover. It's going to be Jesus' last Passover because he knows he's going to the cross after this. And this is what we, we know as the Last Supper where he has his disciples all together. He tells them he's going to be betrayed, that he's going to be going to the cross. He starts out by actually washing all of their feet, and it's this intimate moment, and this is happening right after that, Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. It says, then Jesus went with them. He took his disciples after this. There's only 11 of them because Judas went out to betray them, betray them, him. So there's 11 of them. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. Jesus knows exactly what's coming. coming. He knows what's in his future, and he knows the only thing he can do is go pray about it. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. I want you just to sit with that statement for a while. Jesus, telling some of his closest friends that my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. He's in agony. He knows what's coming. There's, there's, there's this despair that's coming upon his soul, and, and, and he's so distressed and he's so distraught, he's, he's full of heartache about what is going to be happening to him. He's overwhelmed with his responsibility. He's overwhelmed with, with where he is heading at this point in time. He goes on and says, he went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, 
let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. And I love this picture we get of Jesus. Because we know the scripture tells us that he, Jesus is fully God and he is fully man. And what we're seeing here, what, what's being expressed here is Jesus in his full humanity. We see him as a human, as a, as a man at this point. What he's suffering, what the agony that he is, he's hurting emotionally and he's hurting physically. And he doesn't know what to do with this. He knows exactly what God is asking him to do. Yet he's real enough to say, this is not what I want. I would choose another way of doing this, God, if there was any other way. I don't want to do this. But here's what he prays. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. God, I know this is about your kingdom. It's not about my kingdom. It's not about I want, yes, I would choose a different way. I want to go a different route. But it's about you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then verse 40 comes on and says, Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. And we kind of beat up on the disciples a little bit here. But yet, how many times have I fallen asleep during prayer? Or we've gotten distracted to a point that we don't pray. He said to Peter, couldn't you even watch with me one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And guess what Jesus does next? He goes back to pray again. Because sometimes surrendering takes more than one attempt. And he goes back. And it says, then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. And I think you start seeing this, this sense of Jesus trying to align his will into God's will. And, and what Jesus is doing here is he's choosing surrender over control. He is physically choosing, he's mentally choosing that I'm going to surrender to God's will instead of what I really want. I'm going to surrender to God's heart, even though I maybe don't understand it or I don't want it, but that is what I'm going to do. I'm going to surrender that over controlling the situation. And in our culture, we are told all the time, it's all about you. Man, take matters into your own hands. You be you. And we, we, we get pressure to control everything there is. You make it happen. And Jesus said, no, it's not about me. It's about God. And here's the thing about this whole, this whole subject is you don't always have the power to control, but you always have the power to surrender. You, you can't control everything that's on your mind. You can't control every situation you're going through. You can't control every situation and circumstance that you are dealt with. You can't control some of, some of your finances. You can't control the, the job place. You can't control some of the... The, the people in your lives, you can't control, you can't control your circumstances, but yet you can surrender them. And you can take them to your heavenly father and say, God, I can't do this without you. Here it is. And you can lay it at his feet. Because Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is that our posture is that our heart? I know it's a struggle for me constantly. 
and maybe it is for you also. And, and let's just be honest that most of us, all we want, really want is we want to do things our way. We want to lay out our own life. We have our own plans. And what we do is we decide we're going to go a certain direction. And this is, God, this is where I want to live. This is where I want to work. This is what I want my life to look at and w- look like. And what I want you to do is I want you to come to my plans and bless them. I, I want you to come into where I desire and where I want to go and this nice, comfortable life that I have. And what I would love for you to do, God, is just bless that. Instead of us setting back and saying, God, I will chase whatever you want and help me align my heart with your heart. And there's nothing wrong. We're told to, to pray what, the things that we desire. But there's a difference between acting on and deciding that this is the direction we're going to go and asking God to bless it than us praying about, God, this is how I would like it to go, God. But if that's not the way you intend my life to go, okay, I want to do it your way. I don't want to do it my way. Boy, you talk about countercultural. Talk about another way to live. And Jesus tells us, he calls us to a life of sacrifice and surrender. And I don't know if we talk about that enough as a church. A life of, of, of others, a life of giving up what necessarily we want just to pursue what God wants in our lives. He calls us, he tells us that we are to take up our cross daily and live for him. It's heavy, isn't it? And you have to look back at your life and wonder, is that how I'm living my life? Am I taking up my cross daily and living that way? Or am I just trying to control everything that is happening because that's what the world tells us to do? So what are you trying to control that God is asking you to surrender? What is it in your life that you're trying to control that God is tapping you on the shoulder and saying, have you thought about this? Maybe this is an area that you need to surrender. Maybe it's some kind of relationship. Your marriage that you just don't really even know where you are right now and you're trying to control it and only God can handle that. Maybe it's a child, a, a, prodig- a prodigal, a child that's going a different direction and you don't know what to do with it. Maybe it's Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's a health issue. Your future laying out, and you just don't know, and you're trying to control it. There's circumstances in each of our lives that we try to control. And I think maybe it would be helpful for us just to kind of categorize these. You know, we kind of joked a little bit earlier about all these things, the dishwasher and, and, and someone else's driving and roundabouts, mowing grass in straight lines, you know. There are those kind of things that we try to control that really aren't that big a deal. If someone doesn't mow the grass in straight lines, it will annoy the ever-living out of me. But you know what? I'll live. And we just have to get over ourselves in some of these things. And then there's these other things that are our responsibility. And and maybe if if we're living a God-centered life that he's asking us to control some of these, that, that he's coming alongside of us, and yeah, there are things you need to control, like showing up to work on time. You know, being financially responsible, not spending your money in areas that you shouldn't be spending them in. You need to do all that you can do, coming alongside everything that God can do, and I'm telling you, it will change everything. And, and, and these are areas that, if you notice, that they're all things that pertain to us. We can control some of the things that happen to us, but we try to go out and control the things that are happening or to other people. We're trying to control other people. 
there are some things that we can control our response. We can control our reaction to what happens to us. We can control the circumstances, that, how we deal with the circumstances. We can't control the circumstances. We control how we deal with them. There are things that we need to partner with God and, and control. And then there are other things that they're just out of our control. And only God can come alongside. That way we're child, our relationships, our spouses. There's things that we are losing sleep over and we're, we're having so much anxiety about and, and we're afraid about what the outcome is going to be. And so we, we even try harder to control it when what we need to do is just go and lay them at God's feet, at Jesus' feet and say, God, I can't deal with this anymore. It's keeping me up at night. All I'm going to do is pray about it and lay them in, in your, at your feet and say, this is for you to control, not me. Help me to deal with this. So I want to go back to Jesus in the garden. Because at any time, Jesus could have taken control of the situation. We're going to pick it back up in verse 44. It says, so he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Three times, Jesus goes back to pray, God, can I not do this? Then he came to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. And even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the 12 disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the same of the people. It is about to go south for Jesus. He has to be prepared for what God has in store for him at this point. The traitor Judas had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. And, and this next thing is Jesus says, my friend, he is being betrayed by one of his closest inner circle people. And yet somehow Jesus calls him his friend. My friend, go ahead and do what you've come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slicing off his ear. I think it's interesting. He doesn't say who it is, but we all know it's Peter, okay? Because <laughs> you know what Peter does? Peter tries to control every situation he's in. Peter's one of those control freaks, and so he pulls out his sword. We think it is. We don't know for sure, but we think it's Peter. And he pulls out his sword, and he slices off this guard's ear. Because you know what? We're going to control the situation. It's not going to go the way you think, Jesus. We're going to do it our way. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask? Listen to this. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us, and he would send them instantly? But if I did, how would the scripture be fulfilled that describes what must happen now? Jesus had a way out. He could have called a thousand angels and they would have shown up instantly and it all would have changed. But he knows the scripture, what has to be fulfilled, and he's gotten to a place where he's taken himself and got him to a point of surrender instead of control. He was dedicated to what God wanted. He was dedicated to scripture. And Jesus chooses surrender instead of control. 
He chooses to surrender and go through one of the most anguish, the most excruciating, painful deaths that you can possibly imagine. He chooses to do that. He chooses to, to align himself with what God wants in his life, what he is called for in his life. How in the world do you get to that place? And as I was studying this and I was processing this, I, I just said, let's just think through the steps of, that Jesus himself took. He meets with all, all his people. He knows one of them is going to betray him. They're in the upper room. He washes their feet. He has, shares a meal with them. And then he takes every one of them except for Judas. He takes his 11. He takes his community with him to Gethsemane. He doesn't want to be there alone, so he takes his whole community that he has that he's investing his life in, and he takes them with him to Gethsemane. And then he takes three of his closest people, the ones that, that, that he knows will be there for him, the ones that he can share his heart, his deepest anguish with, and he takes them a little bit farther. And he meets with them, and he tells them, he, he tells them, this is what I'm experiencing. This is where I'm at. Would you just come alongside of me? Would you help me? He takes those people that are closest, that knows him better than anybody else, that are like brothers to him, and lays out what is happening, what he's going through, and he asks them to pray with him. And as they're praying, he goes a little farther by himself into solitude to be alone with his heavenly Father. And he prays, and he continues to pray. And we find out that he knows Scripture because he knows what he's about to do is going to fulfill Scripture. So he also relies on the Scripture's knowledge that he has there. And then he ends by serving. By taking the ear that, that has been chopped off of this guard's head, the guard that's going to lead him to the high priest who's going to condemn him to death. And these guards are going to mock him. They're going to spit on him. They're going to say all kinds of awful things and lies about him but yet he serves him by healing him. And he chooses surrender over control. It's a great thing for us to process as we're saying, how do we surrender? Community, close-knit family together, solitude and prayer, and serving others and knowing Scripture. It's how we get to that point. So we've been giving you this thing to pray about as we close today. We, every week we've given you something to pray about, to think through and, and process in your time of fasting and in your time of, of prayer. And this is what I want you to ask God. This is what I want you to pray this week. What is it I'm trying to control that you want me to surrender? What is it, God, that I need to surrender to you? And some of you already know what it is, that God has placed it on your heart and it, place it on your mind already. You know these areas that you, you are struggling with to give it up to God. And some of you know and you don't want to do it. <laughs> you don't want to forgive that person. And I get that. And, and I can't tell you how many times that, that I've gone to, to pray to God and say, God, I know this is what I'm supposed to know. I know this is what I'm supposed to pray. I know this is what I'm supposed to feel. I don't feel it. And I, I'm going to ask you for something right now that I basically don't want. I'm going to ask you, and I don't mean what I'm saying, but I'm going to pray it 
anyway. And maybe that's where it starts. What is it that God is asking you to surrender that you're trying to control? Let's close with prayer. Father God, this is another one of those subjects that's so easy to talk about. And man, oh man, it is so hard to do. I am so guilty of trying to control so many things in my life that you're asking me to surrender. And I pray that you will just place it on each and every one of our hearts, those areas in our lives that we need to give to you, those people we need to give to you, those situations and circumstances that we need to give to you because you're the only one that can deal with them. Take them off our plate, God, so we can sleep a little bit better, so that the anxiety subsides a little bit. God, and I pray that we just follow the example that Jesus gave us in the garden, that we'd remain in community, we'd have those close people, that we'd pray, we'd go to solitude, and we would serve. God, this is, man, such an important area of our life. And I just pray that you would heal us of our hurts and our, our needs and our wants in this time. God, we do this and we ask this all in the amazing, powerful name of Jesus.